title of the message this morning is Trusting God Even When You Don't Understand What He Is Doing. Trusting God Even When You Don't Understand What He Is Doing. I think we all, generally speaking, believe that God wants the best for us as His children, right? I think we all agree that God does want His best for us, and really our best. We believe that He orchestrates the circumstances in our lives in such a way that He brings about those things that are good for us. However, there are also times in our lives where we wonder what it is that God is doing. Maybe you're struggling financially, but you are bearing unending and unforeseen obstacles. You ever been there? It's like, I know God wants His best for me, but man, why all these obstacles in this area? Why? Is it, it seems like one thing after another. Uh, maybe you're facing a tough decision, but there's no clear choice that makes sense to you. And you wonder, what in the world is God doing? Where is God at in this? Maybe you're dealing with a difficult relationship that doesn't seem to improve, even with increased effort. Where is God in the midst of all this? Uh, maybe you feel like you're spinning your tires on ice when you're striving to reach goals with vigor and determination, and it's just not happening, and you're wondering, where is God? What is He trying to do? Well, several verses came to my mind, and you know, in the midst of, of trying to understand what God is doing, you're just falling short of seeing His hand. In Isaiah chapter 55, and this is not where we're going to park this morning, but in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. You're thinking, good Lord, I understand that, because I would do things completely different. I'd have a completely different mindset. I'd have a different set of goals. I have a different, different way of doing things. And God's just sitting there saying, hello. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. This is the Lord's declaration. And verse 9 says, For as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And it seems very obvious at times that God's got a very different plan for our lives than the plan that we have for our lives. We started talking about this a couple weeks ago in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, where God says, I have plans for you. And sometimes we are struggling and failing to see what those plans are. But we, as children of God, we believe that He wants our best. He, we believe that He has a, a direction that we're to be on or that we're to be going, but we're just not sensing it. So if you would take your Bibles this morning, and where we're going to park for a little while this morning is in Genesis chapter 12. Way back in the beginning, first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12. And I want you to understand the scenario here before we even begin to read uh, Abraham had just lost his father. Things are about to change. And you have probably heard it told that you should not make any major decisions after a loved one has passed. Uh, keep things as normal as possible. Learn to adjust is often the advice that is given. But everything in Abraham's life here is about to change. His father is gone. His house is not going to be the house that is going to be making the decisions from this point on. And notice in Genesis chapter 12, beginning verse 1, it says this, The Lord said to Abram, Go out from the land of your relatives and your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Um... At this point, things are beginning to change in Abraham's life. 
But this is actually a point of contemplation. I believe this is where we see at least three observations that we all can relate to as when we fail to understand what it is that God is doing in our lives. And I think there's three, at least three scenarios here that we can see in the life of Abraham where God is clearly at work, yet Abraham doesn't understand fully what he's doing. And there are times in our lives where God is fully at work, but we don't see and understand what he is doing. So the first one is this. It's number one, the call to leave Ur. Can you imagine this? Right there in verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Uh, Go to a land that I will show you. Let me put that in the year 2018. Get in your car and drive. I mean, think about that. Just get in your car and drive. Well, where am I supposed to go? Uh, doesn't matter. Just fill it up on full and get going. And you have to be wondering, what in the world is God doing here? Where is he taking me? Where is he going to lead me to? We don't know. Just drive. Now, some of you say, I kind of like that. If I could just get away from it all, that might be kind of fun. We're just going to get in the car and drive. Where's your destination? Doesn't matter. I'm just going. You might enjoy that, but this is a scenario where Abram is told to go, but he doesn't know where he's supposed to go. Just go. And by the way, leave everything behind. Leave behind everything that is normal, everything that is common, everything that is close to you. Leave your land, leave your homes, leave your relatives, leave everything and go. Why? Because God was at work doing something in his life that he did not yet know about. And I have to realize that there are times in my lives where I wonder what it is that God is doing, but I have to believe that He is doing something good for me. That He's got a plan behind all the chaos, that at least the chaos that I observe in my life. And He says to him, I will make you into a great nation. Well, how's this going to happen? Abraham's got to be wondering, what in the world is going on? You mean you want me to leave everything, God? everything that is normal, everything that is close, all my relatives, my home, everything, God, and you're going to make me a great nation? How? I mean, it wasn't like he's putting everything on the market before he left, right? I mean, he's not calling up Jerusalem Baptist, you know, uh, real estate agency, putting everything on the market so he can get some money to go so God can do this, make, you know, make this idea of making him a great nation, right? It's like, leave everything, go. Wow. But here's the deal. Even though he did not know what God was doing, hmm. let's read on. Verse 4. So Abram, what's the next word? What? Went. Abram went. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. I don't know about you, but it's not too often that in our elderly years that that's when we want to make life changes, right? I mean, let's think about this. This is huge. Yet he did it. Not knowing where he was supposed to go. Not knowing where he would end up. Not knowing what was going to happen along the way. Only this promise that God says, I'm going to make a great nation of you. Isn't that amazing? He went. He obeyed, though he didn't understand. And I think this is where some of, it, some of us kind of struggle. How quick are we 
to do what God tells us to do when we don't know the details. I mean, it only goes to show that I want to be a wise steward of what God has given me. Why would I just leave it behind? I mean, it only is common sense that I want to you know, be prepared. You know, he that goes to battle must you know, make sure he has enough people to win the battle. I mean, he that builds a building has to make sure that, I mean, it just goes to show, right? That, I mean, I, I want to be well prepared to start over in life. Isn't that what our humanistic mindset mindset is? I gotta know the details. I gotta know where it is that I'm going. I gotta know how it is I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna have to know what's gonna happen when I get there. No. God says, just go. So think back into a time of your life when God was asking you to do something. When God was asking you to go somewhere. Where God was asking you to step out on faith where God was asking you to make yourself known to do something that I've asked you to do, did you do it? We were talking about in Sunday school class this morning that what happens through the trials in life if we don't learn from them? We miss opportunities for God to be at work. We miss his hand of blessing at times because we're we're too afraid to take this step. And it really doesn't matter whether it's financially struggling or facing tough decisions or dealing with difficult relationships or, um, you know, it feels like your life is spinning out of control and things that you want to see accomplished and you can't get there. It doesn't matter the scenario. The matter, what matters is, is that I'm walking every day according to the obedience to God. Taking the little steps, even though I don't know where they may be going. Because I make the best decision I can make today with God's help. So there's a call to leave Ur. Just go to a land that I will show you. So Abram went. And we have the lesson that we need to learn from this is that when God tells us to do something, without question, we just do it. Well, then there's a second scenario. And this one might be a little bit more difficult. You say, well, I, can, I don't mind traveling. I don't mind getting out and seeing the world a little bit. So, you know, going's not so bad. But what about this next scenario? And we see this over just a couple pages to the right, chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. Beginning with verse 1, I'm going to read through verse 5. After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. Now think about this. This is the second time that God has told Abram that something great was going to happen. He says, I am going to make a great nation of you. And now he's telling him, don't be worried. Don't be afraid because I am going to do something great through you. It says, do not be afraid. I'm your shield. Your reward will be very great. Verse 2. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram continued, look, you have given me no offspring to a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him. This one will be, not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look at the sky and count the stars. If you are able to count them, then he said to them, Your offspring will be that numerous. Can you imagine just for a moment that he is being told that a great nation will come from him, and he's saying, The only child I have is an heir. It's not even my real legitimate child. And he says, No, wait a minute. Step outside. Look at the stars. Count them if you can. Count them if you can. Think about that. Just put that in your thinking cap, and let that sink in just a little bit. Count the stars if you can. That's how numerous your offspring will be. I guarantee you 
that at this moment, Abram is not thinking, going, I wonder how this is going to happen. Hmm. He's like, it's not going to happen. I don't really get how this can all work out. And yet, think about this. What keeps us from doing what we know we should do? Chapter 15, verse 1. Do not be afraid, Abram. Now, why would God tell him not to be afraid? It presupposes the idea that he was what? Afraid, right? One presupposes the other. He's telling him, don't do something because he was busy doing it. So the reality is, he's afraid. He doesn't know how this is all going to work out. He says, don't be afraid. I think far too often it's fear that keeps us from doing what God wants us to do. I don't know how they're going to respond. I mean, if I do this, what will they say? What will they think? How will they respond to me? If I do this, if I say this, if I go there. So often we let our fear of the unknown hinder us from doing what God wants us to do. And the bottom line is we have to squelch the fear. The only fear we ought to have is the fear of the Lord because that's the beginning of wisdom, right? So we have to dismiss that fear because God says don't do it. Your reward will be great. But he still has this question. Well, what can you give me? I don't even have a child of my own. I mean, it's got to work out, right? I mean, it's got to, he's, he's trying to figure out how this is going to play out. Because in our human minds, we want to know how this is going to work out. If I take this step, what's, 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 what's going to happen, right? He says, God, you're missing the obvious. What can you give me when I don't even have a son? Look at verse 5. I love this. Verse 5. What's the first three, four words? He took him outside. He took him outside. He goes, I want you to see something here. Look around. Let it set in. I mean, just, just get a grip on this, Abram. Count the stars if you can. Who of us can start count, the, count the stars? And by the way, God says in Psalms that every one of those stars are what? Named. I mean, let that sink in. How many of you have struggled remembering someone's name from one week to the next? And he knows a billion stars' names. Think about that. And he says, your offspring will be that great. God is about to do something great. And here's the ultimate end of this. Look at verse 6. Abram, what's the next word? Believed. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, think about this for a minute. I think the lotto just got up to $1.6 billion. And you got the winning ticket. Do you believe? I mean, that's how many stars there are. And there's this chance that God's going to do something. And he says, I believe. He doesn't know how. Doesn't know all the results of it. Doesn't know how it's all going to play out. But he believed. So let's read the verse. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. It's something God was doing in and through him, growing him. Do you think Abraham's face... Ever, faith ever wavered? Let's talk about this for a moment. 
You see, first of all, he says when there's a call to leave Ur, he doesn't really know where to go, doesn't know where he's going to end up, but he went. He obeyed. And now there's the promise of a son, and Abraham believed. Even though he went, and even though he believed, do you ever think that his faith might have wavered just a little bit? Let me ask you a question. In your obedience to God, and even in your believing of God, does your faith ever waver? I think mine, mine does at times. I wish it didn't, but it does. Look at chapter 17 and verse 17. Actually, let's don't, don't look at that verse yet. I don't want you to get ahead. Look at verse 9. Chapter 17, verse 9. God also said to Abraham, As for you, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations are to keep my covenant. This is my covenant which you are to keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every one of your males must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Throughout generations, every male among you at eight days old is to be circumcised. This includes slave born in your house, the one purchased with money from any foreigner, the one who is in your offspring, a slave born in your house, as well as one purchased with money must be circumcised. My covenant will be marked in your flesh as an everlasting covenant. If any male is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, then the man will be cut off from his people, and he has broken my covenant. And God said to Abraham, As for your wife, Sarah, Sarai, do not call her Sarai, for Sarah will be her name. I will bless her indeed, and will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will produce nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Stop right there. Look up here. Don't look ahead, cheaters. He is being told over and over and over again, I'm going to do something great through you. But there's a problem. Wait a minute. Now you're saying you're going to give me a son? Um, no offense, God, but have you seen my wife? I mean, I know she's smoking hot, but she's old. Let's be honest here. She's old. This is not normal. So, uh, God, just in case... Um, Look at verse 17 now. Now you can look ahead. Abraham fell face down, then he laughed and said to himself, Can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? Can Sarah, a ninety-year-old woman, give birth? Stop right there. Because what God was going to do was not the norm, Right? Because everything that God asks us to do, we have to be able to figure it out and see how it's going to play out. And it, All right, makes sense. Let's go with it. I'm telling you. Let's go back to Isaiah 55. His ways are, our ways are not His ways, right? His thoughts are not our thoughts. Because we would do it a whole lot differently because we think a whole lot differently. Pick any battle you want to pick out of Scripture. Let's go with Gideon just for a moment. Pitchers, trumpets, and marching around a city? Not my ideal weaponry. I want guns, machine guns, missile launchers, tanks. I don't want pitchers and trumpets. But why did it work? Because it's God. God does things differently. 
And just because we don't understand how it's going to work doesn't make it any less of God. Our job is to, as Abraham did early on, leave her, he went. I'm going to make of you a great nation, I believe. I don't know how, and it's even actually kind of humorous because i got a 90-year-old wife. Look on. Verse 19. But God said, No, your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will name him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his future offspring. Bottom line is God says, I've made my decision, and I'm going to bless you. And we find out later, look at chapter 21. Over just a couple more pages, chapter 21. Verses 1 through 3. The Lord came to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. And at the appointed time God had told him, Abraham named his son who was born to him, the one Sarah bore to him, Isaac. God fulfilled what he said he was going to do. You see, God's going to do what he's going to do whether we think he can or not. So it's probably better just to get with the program and trust him and believe him than to go kicking and screaming. So here's the hard part. Trusting God to do what he says he's going to do. I don't know about you, but there seems like it happens at least monthly. Something in our month, something in our week, something in our days that's like, oh God, I didn't plan this. Why is this happening? And we respond in the flesh and say, what in the world is going on? Rather than, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to trust you. I don't know what you're asking me to do, but I'm willing to do it. Because if I don't, living in the flesh is not helping. It's hindering. It's hurting. Well, there's a third scenario here. So there's the call to leave Ur. There's a promise of a son. And number three, there's the command to sacrifice Isaac. Whoa, things just took a turn. It just escalated way too quick. The son that you have promised, that you finally gave to me, now you want me to do what with him? Well, look at chapter 22. The sacrifice of Isaac here. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Because remember, he had learned to listen to God. He had learned to do what God told him to do. He, he learned to, to believe that God's going to fulfill his word. But it's taking a twist here now. Verse 2. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. And so Abram... Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to a place he had told him about. I mean, think about this. He's bringing Isaac to Moriah. He's cutting wood. And, oh, by the way, Isaac, I'm not really telling you this, but by the way, you're carrying the wood that you're going to lay on back to where we're going to have this altar. See, that doesn't make sense at all. No. 
that gets back to Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and my ways are higher than your ways. And Abraham is learning to just trust God, even though he may not understand. What do you think is going through Abraham's mind at this moment? What would be going through your mind? I think they're probably pretty similar. What in the world? Are you serious right now? God, you realize that you know, you've promised me this great nation and that my reward is going to be great and that you're going to you know, multiply as the stars in the skies. But, but you want me to sacrifice Isaac? Now, we know it's a test. But there are things that happen in our lives that we don't really know is a, that are tests at the moment that we're going through it, right? We might look back and see that it was a test, but we don't always recognize at the moment that it's a test. We wonder what God's doing. But here's the thing. Look at verse 3. Chapter 22, verse 3. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to a place he told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Now notice what he says here. Maybe you don't always pick up on the little tiny words. God had told Abraham to do what? Sacrifice his son. And then he tells his guys that had journeyed with him to Moriah, you guys stay here. Me and Isaac are going to go over here and what? Worship. Check that out. We're going over to worship even though God had told him that he was going to sacrifice his son. But that little tiny word that comes right after that, it says, then will. Now, I don't know about you, but I think in English, and I'm not a grammar professor by any stretch of the imagination, ask anybody, but will typically means at least two. At least two. He didn't say, I'll come back. He said, we'll come back. So a question comes in my mind. Did Abraham believe that God was going to do something and intervene? Or was he just going to, well, we'll walk over there, but we're going to come back anyway? I think it was the first one. Because I think we see an indication of that going forward. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his, in, uh, in his hand he took the fire and the sacrificial knife and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father, and he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb of the, for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. So when he said, We'll come back, I believe Abraham believed that God was going to provide. I think Abraham's beginning to, to understand that this is a test. And when they arrived, verse 9, at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on the top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham! He replied, Here I am. 
And then he said, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you, have fear, that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And verse 14, And Abraham named the place the Lord will provide. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. So the command to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And here's what we find. Even though he didn't understand, even though he didn't know all the details of what God was, God was doing, he did as he was commanded, 22, chapter, chapter 22, verse 3. And we find out in verses 12 and 13 that God intervened. And then we find out in verses 14 through 18. Check this out. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today they said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn this is the Lord's declaration. Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky. I think we've read that before, right? Over and over, he's just reminding him, saying the same thing again and again. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to reward you for your faithfulness, for your obedience. I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the gates of their enemies, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. God blessed his obedience. I don't know about you, but I think there are at least four things that we can learn from Abraham that we can apply to the situations of our life when we don't understand what God is doing. I don't know about you, but if you're being honest this morning, are there circumstances, are there situations, are there things that are happening in your life you just don't understand where God, where God is at, what he's doing? I have them. I'd like to know why. It's our nature. I want to know why this happens. I want to know why this didn't happen. I want to know why this doesn't, it seems like it'd be a, a recurring cycle over and over again. God, why? 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 Four things that we can learn from Abraham. Call to leave her, the promise of a son, and then a command to sacrifice a son. Three things that totally don't make sense in human reasoning. Number one, what can we learn from Abraham? Number one, obey God even when we don't understand. Just obey God. We can see in the life of Abraham that every step of obedience, though it may not have been understood, even though it may not have made sense, he did it and God worked. We have to know that God is in control of our lives. We have to know that God orchestrates the events of our lives because he wants what's best for us. We have to know that. Even though I don't understand it, I know that God wants what's best for me. I know that God's plans for my life are better than my plans for my life. Amen? That's awfully weak. Is God in control or not? He is. So I have to know that God's plans for my lives are better than my plan for my life. So obey God even when we don't understand. Number two, be patient and faithful as you wait on the Lord to act. I'm guaranteeing you as I'm standing here that Abraham had to be patient. Just got to do what I, I, I just have to do this. I have to wait. And I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. 
And Abraham had to learn to wait on the Lord, just to be patient and wait on the Lord to act. In fact, I think Psalm 46.10 says it this way. Be still. Just be still. And know that I am God. I think we all need that reminder, don't we? Just, just, just slow down. Be still. I don't, God, I don't know what you're doing. But I'm going to be still and wait on the Lord. Know that you're God. Number three. Know that God wants to and will reward your faithfulness. We see that from the life of Abraham over and over. Three times he says, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to bless you. Uh, as far as the number of stars in the sky, I'm on the, sea, the, the grains of sand on the seashore, I'm going to reward you. I believe in Scripture there are numerous passages that God teaches us this principle. Obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings curse. I think the greatest example of that is in Luke chapter 6, verses 47 through 49. It tells a simple story that we grew up singing it in the song form. The wise man built his house upon the sand, or I mean, upon the rock, and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. Well, here's the story. The wise man is comparable to the guy who hears and obeys, and when the storms come, the house stood firm. Why? It was anchored in stone. Is anchored in obedience. Is anchored in doing what was right. But he says, a foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the same rains came, and the house went. <laughs> Picture us of the guy who also hears, but chooses to disobey. Throughout God's word, we see example after example after example. Obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings heartache. Let's obey. So know that God wants to and will reward your faithfulness. And number four, understand that not everything God asks of us will be easy, but he'll be with us. I guarantee you it was not easy for Abraham to lay, or lay his son Isaac on the altar. I'm sure it was not easy. Hey, Isaac, I want you to carry the wood that's going to be the base of the altar I'm going to sacrifice you on. Guarantee that was not easy. No father could do that very easily. But we have to know and understand that not everything God asks for us will be easy, but he'll be with us. In fact, he reminds us over and over throughout the New Testament, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So obey God even when we don't understand. Be patient and faithful as you wait on the Lord to act. Know that God wants to and will reward your faithfulness. And understand that not everything God asks of us will be easy, but he'll be with us. You know what the root of all this stuff is? Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11 just for a moment. With this we'll close. The root of the faithfulness, the root of the obedience for all these things that we've been talking about this morning is found in this passage. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and went out to a place he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. You know what the base of all this is? Faith. It really is faith. Do I trust God? 
Do I trust him? You see, when I trust God, I'll do whatever he wants me to do. When I trust God, I'll obey to the ends of the earth. When I trust God, I'll take the step and go blindly even because I know he's got what's best for me in mind. It all is rooted in our faith. How great is your faith? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Nothing God asks of us will be contrary to his word. Let that sink in. Nothing God asks of us will be contrary to his word. Why? Because he wants what's best for us. He wants to grow us. He wants us to learn. He wants us to take steps forward. And it only comes as our faith of him deepens and our trust in him is anchored sure that we'll be completely obedient. I don't know about you, but I see God doing a lot of stuff sometimes and I wonder what in the world because I would not do it this way. Then I see things happening. I'm like, where is God? Because I certainly need to see him right now because I don't get what's happening. And either way, I still have to trust him. Whether I see it or not, I have to trust him. He's God. I don't know about you, but I don't know whether it's a financial issue, a decision you're facing, a difficult relationship, world spinning around you and you just can't see God at work. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. But I know that those principles apply to everything. Go even though you don't understand. Obey. Trust Him. He'll be there. 